From 104.5, The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show. The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now, Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Welcome in, Square Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. David Reed, Jason Martin with you. Brandon Hagany, of course, has moved his way and is safely now in New Mexico, but he will be joining us quite frequently on this program in varying means as we go forward with it. And stay tuned for news on what's to come from Square Circle Radio as we move forward into the future. Titans Chargers coming up a little bit later on today. That, if you didn't know, is a must-win game for the Titans. I'm on record. I think the season's already over, but you'll look at Ryan Tannehill in the starting lineup, and Jeffrey Simmons has been activated by the Tennessee Titans as well. So at least some intriguing news for a game that might actually be, I don't I don't know if it's going to be entertaining or not. At this point, I'm not going to say that Titans football is going to be particularly entertaining because I've watched too much of it recently. It's two very not good football teams at this point yeah. facing off. Um Sort of the sadness bowl for the loser here. Yeah, and I, I mean, the only reason this is a 3 o'clock game because it involves San Diego and they want to bring in viewers from that's right. that San side Diego. of the country. Oh, whatever. No, no, I'm saying no, yeah. that's what you get when you're 2-4. Well, you're, no, you're no, San Diego. no, that's what you get because, because that's you're what San you've Diego Chargers. Been. Yes, that's what that's what you get. Right. I don't, I don't care if you move to Antioch. You're still the San Diego Chargers. Here's what you get if you're WWE right now. You get pushed to another segment on this show because we're going to talk about other stuff. Uh, we are going to talk about the draft and, and Bischoff and all of those things. We know that those are big stories, and we have thoughts on them as well. But I'd rather talk about things that are positive, at least off the start of the show, and positive slash negative because there's some critiques to be had. AEW is now three weeks in. The numbers basically held from week two to week three. I think it was like 1.01 this week, and it was 1.014 last week. There was no baseball this week. There was baseball last week. So, so how I have a question. How are they doing the numbers on this? Are they including replays? No, in these numbers, the Rob? replay, the replay, like the first week, I think was like a four or five hundred thousand. The second week was in the three hundred thousands, and I don't, I didn't even see it this week. But that's the live number. Okay, the one point oh whatever. And last week they were doing a simulcast on True TV that had another couple hundred thousand people watching. Which if it fits it, it, me, I don't ever do that again. Well, I also last Saturday. Yes, Saturday, uh, we were running some errands and decided to stop by a local establishment to uh, watch part of the Preds game and get a bite to eat. Um, and there was a look like a cut down version airing on TBS between okay. the baseball game and whatever was coming up next. Okay, I think so SmackDown's been a, been run a, multiple times too because I've had a DVR recorded on right. the weekends. Yes, on um, FS1. FS, yeah, FS1. So I, I was just. Curious about how they're doing all that. There's there's a lot of AEW on Turner products or Time Warner or whoever. Well, good for them that. for that. I yeah, mean, no, they should I be getting no, as many absolutely. eyeballs in yeah. front of that product as they can. So we're three weeks in now, and there's some positives and there's some negatives. But generally speaking, I've enjoyed, of the six hours, I've probably enjoyed over five of them at least, of the six total hours of those three Dynamite shows, not including Dark, which we'll talk about here also, but... Jericho's a great world champion. Uh, he comes across like a superstar. 
and you can see what they're doing. They are trying to build new guys that people don't know, and they're doing it through stars. And there's a question as to, well, have they built their stars yet? Because I don't know that Omega means what he should because a lot of people don't know who he is. I don't know that, you, that the Young Bucks mean what they should because they weren't established as anybody except people saying, hey, they're the greatest tag team in the world, then they immediately lost. Like, that became one thing. Cody, they've done a great job. No question about that. Yeah. Some people think that that's a bad thing. They think it's Jeff Jarrett and TNA or Triple H. I don't. I think Cody's a big enough star, and he's the first challenger for Chris Jericho. And the only comparison I can make to Jericho right now and it's not at all the same exactly, but the way that I would be treating him right now is the way I treated Hollywood Hogan right after the heel turn when the NWO first started. Not that the inner circle needs to be the NWO, but that that guy needs to run through some A-list challengers, but maybe not get to sting for a little while. Mm -hmm. So what is Cody? Well, the first challenger for, or one of the first main challengers for Hollywood Hogan was the Macho Man Randy Savage. But this was after Macho's, like, top run. Because at the end of the match at Halloween Havoc in 96, Roddy Piper came out from nowhere. And then here's Piper for a couple of months. And then they built the Sting program for a year. I don't know who they would build down the road, but I sense this as we're making Cody credible, but Cody is going to lose this match to Chris Jericho for whatever reason, whether it's outside interference or whatever else. And then on the other, on the flip side for Jericho, Jericho made Darby Allen look fantastic in that main event on Wednesday. And it didn't harm Jericho a bit to do that. And the way in which that finish played out, yeah, there was outside interference, but in that case it actually made sense for there yeah. to be outside interference. Yeah, and I like Darby Allen. I think he's a he's a good young talent who's got a lot of upside and especially and it appears like they're going they're going to, you know, highlight him and push him to some extent but going back to what you said about Kenny Omega maybe not being presented as the star that he actually is I, I think that's probably why he's attached to Moxley at this point because that's a familiar face someone that the, that everyone in in the wrestling universe knows from a product that is let's face it still the most popular product yeah well do you think they've dropped the ball a bit with Moxley in that I still believe that the first AEW show could have really stood to have started with John Moxley holding a microphone to differentiate that product right off the bat because people knew him. I know you gave a great match. Like, you did a lot of wrestling on that first show, and that's fine. But Moxley really hadn't gotten to talk. We had that little cutaway thing this week where he was sitting in the seats for, like, 35 seconds. Moxley is somebody that's compelling, that people want to know a little bit more about. And it feels to me like, Moxley versus Kenny Omega doesn't have a main event feel because it's just kind of there. It's mm. not that it's bad necessarily, but it could be built up and hyped so much bigger than it has been, even three weeks in. Yeah, and and maybe my 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 hypothesis there is completely wrong because there's been references to Kenny the Cleaner and yeah. things that people shouldn't already know about Kenny Omega. So they weren't they aren't starting at ground zero trying no. to introduce us to who Kenny Omega is, despite this being an audience that may not be all that much familiar with his work. But what if what if Moxley in this situation in the scenario that you laid out is Sting? And a year from now or a year and a half from now, we're seeing Jericho and Moxley for the AEW title. 
Yeah, I mean, I could easily see Moxley being the guy. I could see somebody that's not currently there being the guy down the road. I, I mean, if you look at the guys, who are the the top of the promotion right now in whatever particular order you want to put it in? Jericho, you don't really have to push because Jericho's Jericho. Mm-hmm. And I heard Todd Martin say this at PW Torch, but the other guys that you look at are Moxley, Kenny Omega, Cody, the Young Bucks, and Adam Page. Those are kind of the other one. And Pac. And Pac. Pac. So I, I, you always Pac, forget Pac, about him. But what, what whatever. What is this called? Is it Mariota, Pac? Is it Pac? Mario Jer- Garantano. Garantano. Pac Hill. is what Danny they're Hill. calling him. Pac. That's it. And then there's... Then it becomes a lot of tag teams and some some new acts. The thing you said about Darby Allen, Darby Allen's been doing this for four years, not very long, yeah, and he's very young. Uh, probably a bright future there to be. I don't know what you like who he reminds me of exactly, um, but then you look at like Britt Baker. Britt Baker didn't look good on Wednesday night yeah. in that match against Rio. The first quarter of that match in particular was a disaster they have they have a problem in that division well, Britt baker's had less than 100 matches in her career you think because she's a name that you've heard that that's mm-hmm. a big deal it's not it's like not. i think she also probably has a bright future i've heard her talk as well like when she sat in on commentary last week and i've said okay i i, I think this i can see why there's value here mm-hmm. and she dates adam cole so you've got the Renee Young, Dean Ambrose thing yeah. going in on reverse. all over again. Yeah. Dates or is engaged to? Maybe he's engaged to, as a matter of fact. I don't fact. know, but when you brought up Renee Young, the, the, the best thing about the draft from two weeks ago on SmackDown was when they cut to the panel, and it was Renee Young there with Samoa Joe, and she welcomed in Samoa Joe, and he says, Good to see you, Renee. Glad to know that you're here so you can keep the lights on in your yeah. household. <laughs> that was the best thing about that entire draft night so for Every me. time they went to that panel, the panel was totally unnecessary and useless. Yes. But Joe's so good. Yeah. I just want to see yeah. Joe. Like, I want to hear him talk. I want to hear what he has to say. You want to talk about somebody that they've blown it with, Vince. And, and I know they've still a chance to salvage that. Joe should be at the top of that yep. daggone promotion. Should have been for a while, but definitely should be now. But yeah, Britt Baker Rio was not very was not very good, quite frankly. However, start of that show, they start out with the tag tournament. I don't think you can make the Lucha Bros heels because they're too likable, and they're under hoods. So it's it's hard. The only reason you dislike them is because they either attack people, which is what they did off the top, because Chris Daniels I think has a pinched nerve and is out legit for a little while. But how awesome was it? This is something that I used to joke about forever. I'm like, why is Randy Orton in his gear to cut a promo? Like, he's got, like, a T-shirt and his gear on with knee pads and boots, and, and he's not on the cards. He's never stepping foot in so the ring. So Scorpio Sky comes in to replace Chris Daniels for SCU in that tag match, and he's in street clothes. He's in jeans and tennis shoes, and he's putting wrist tape on in the corner because he wasn't prepared to go. And he to took go. out of the uh, the EMT's bag that came to attend right. to Daniels. Like, I can't begin to tell you. Hutton even sent me a text and said, did you see this? I love this. I said, me too, because that makes sense. Yep. That's logic. That's the way it's supposed to work. Scorpio Sky didn't expect to be called into action, and then he loses his shoe. And he was able to get that over because the crowd's yeah. going to get everything over for them. They have the ECW thing going on. Then he takes the second shoe off and somebody throws it back, which I don't know what the hell that was all about. <laughs> but Scorpio Sky is somebody you look at and say, okay, 
they can make something out of him, no question about it. And being around Daniels and Kazarian, who are two really classy yep. veteran guys that are only going to make Scorpio Sky better is a good thing. I think they've done a pretty solid job with Darby Allen, all things considered. Uh, big loss to lose Luchasaurus because he's the key to that Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, whatever, Jurassic Express gimmick. And Luchasaurus is out for a, for a decent length of time, I think. Uh, Jungle Boy's real popular. And then Marco starts like four feet, too. And so that caused a lot of controversy this week. And Meltzer, who doesn't take criticism very well or doesn't take anybody that disagrees with him very well, just continually fired back defending Marco Stunt and saying, look, Ray was smaller than he was in WCW, and people let that go. He's like, you just have to look at this differently. The guys Marco is in there with is, are nowhere as big as the guys Ray was in there with before he put on weight when he got to WWE. I don't remember. Am I missing something with Rey Mysterio and WCW? I don't remember him being around the Giant. Well, I mean, he was WCW. around Kevin Nash, obviously, because Kevin Nash unmasked him. And, I mean, he did work some of those yeah, guys. Yeah, but he also long darted him into the side of a production trailer. So it's, still it's one not. One of the greatest Rey Mysterio yes. moments is him on a stretcher in the big show, taking it like a baseball bat yes. against a ring post. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. in, in WCW, I remember Rey Mysterio as the cruiserweight. I don't remember him stepping in there with the larger guys on that roster. I could be wrong. My memory's not served me very well. I mean, the Marco stunt thing is just, I can see why they think he's got talent because he can do all these tilt-a-whirls and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and most of the offense. And, of course, Ray Phoenix is one of the best in the world. So, I mean, they made him look good. Some people said, well, you've hurt the Lucha Bros by having him sell for him. I don't know that people viewed it that way. I was watching it, and that's the kind of thing that a few years ago I really would have probably rolled my eyes at. It didn't bother me, except that I thought Marco kicked out of a few too many things. Mm -hmm. I think they should have beaten him a little faster. Not Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy's a little bigger, and they're doing whatever they're doing. Or I guess if you're JR, it's Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, Luke Perry's (laughs) son, because he kept calling him Jack Perry, and I don't think anybody else had done that. They were just calling him Jungle Boy, but JR was going the opposite way. I don't think that Stunt should have kicked out for 12 minutes. I think they could have gotten right. that match over in about six or seven, and it still would have had the, the requisite effect. Because the Lucha Bros, if not for, I mean, what's the list? The Lucha Bros, the Revival, and like Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, when they're healthy, maybe those are the three best tag teams in the world. And then the Bucks, if you like what the Bucks do, obviously. Right. Um, but the Lucha Bros are... You look at the tournament now, and I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do once they got the Bucks out of there. If you're going to make private party in one night, maybe you go all the way with them. That that was my thought when that happened uh week before last. But going back to the Lucha Brothers things, I don't think there's any Did damage. It bother you? It, there's no damage done in selling that stuff. There's damage done when they're when someone's kicking out 500 times to stuff that he shouldn't be kicking out. And again, out of. Marco That's wasn't the punching them and kicking them. He was swinging around right. and doing all this stuff that we have bought into for ever with the with the smaller guys right. being able to do to larger guys. Yes, using their speed and agility. Yes, and I th- and look, he's pretty good. I mean, he's annoying to look at. <laughs> I think that might be part of the part of the part of the deal. He looks yeah. he looks like a third key at Hot Top. No, he looks like he's a customer. At Hot Topic. At Hot Topic. <laughs> when we come back, you know what? We're going to keep talking about AEW, and we're going to talk about NWA Power, which we both watched this week, and then we'll talk about WWE because that's what they deserve, quite frankly. We talk about pro wrestling on this show, and we can be negative. You know that. 
But we also love it. That's why we do this show. That's why we've done it for almost six years. So we're going to keep talking about the things we saw this week that excite us. And, man, I can't wait to this AEW Dynamite taping in Nashville here in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited to see that product in person. I'm really enjoying my Wednesday nights again. Well, for the first time, I guess, when it comes to pro wrestling. Be right back. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. Now that you can get your fit. Who am I listening to right here, David? This is the theme to AEW Dynamite. Oh, it's the actual theme to the show. Yes. Okay. Fozzie, nowhere to run. All right. I, I like my Fozzie Judas style. I like. The, I love his theme for his deal, but I, that song did not ring a bell. This is terrible. I'm not saying it's, it's terrible. It just didn't stand out. I, I did not realize that was the start I of like AEW Dynamite. Of early Fozzie is horrible. Uh. That's something of a stranger song that he put out that he yeah. performed on Raw way back in the day. But the official video to this uh, song, he's got those gla- sunglasses on that he wore week before last. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's anything wrong with the push Cody's getting right now? Do you think it's too much, or do you look at it and understand the viewpoint that some people say, well, why is this not happening for a Moxley? or somebody else out there like why are we just focusing on cody or do you see it as he is going for the championship and so they're building him up as a challenger for a guy that's already well established as a top player in jericho whereas cody rhodes outside of like ring of honor cody was always a mid card at times almost a castaway for vince mcmahon well yeah i mean that's exactly what he was i i it's hard for me to make a comment on that because we like Cody. Yes. Cody to me is always from the first time I ever laid eyes on him at the WWE hall of fame induction ceremony in Detroit. Uh, I was there live yep. and I thought this, this guy has got something. And when he showed up in the WWE, I thought, okay, here's a guy with a name with a legacy and he was going to get a push. And for whatever reason, this is he's another victim of, of Vince McMahon and that system that's in place in Stanford, Connecticut. So to me, Cody, ever since, I mean, he, this was a guy that took stardust and somehow stayed relevant when no one else would have. That would have been the death knell of someone's career. He wanted out from underneath that, got out from underneath that, and the day that he did his fan base grew exponentially with each increasing day every time we saw him from that point on in whatever he was doing, whether it was Ring of Honor, whether it was in NWA, and now in AEW. So to me, Cody is already a star. So when he shows up on my screen, I know it's something I need to pay attention to. Oh, so yeah. I'm the wrong guy to ask for me that. Me too. I mean, I think we're on the same page. I just think that... Sometimes you have to frame a debate even if you don't necessarily agree with it. Concur with yeah. that viewpoint because it's out there. It's one of the things that people are discussing. I think you have to build somebody. I don't think this is uh, I don't think this is Kevin Nash Eric Bischoff NW Eric Bischoff, No, I don't either. I definitely don't either. Eric Bischoff was he will be a large part in of charge the and tried to make himself a star mm-hmm. and thought he was a star. That was part of the downfall of WCW. I don't see that happening with Cody. He's going to be the challenger 
I don't or, see Triple H and Cody either because the the problem for Triple H, it wasn't that he produced these great vignettes or did all this kind of stuff. It's that he beat everybody. Mm-hmm. And Cody made everybody. Sammy Guevara look like a million bucks. He made him in one night. They made him in one night yeah. by... I didn't give a crap who he was at the start of that show, and by the end he's out there and they've aligned him with Jericho and they've had him go 15 pretty solid minutes to open the first Dynamite with Cody. Triple H I don't think would have done that. Triple H would have killed Sammy Guevara for 14 minutes and maybe even gotten beaten with a roll-up, and it wouldn't have done nothing for Sammy Guevara. What what Cody did established him, and I don't sense that. I don't sense it from the Bucks either because every report says that the Bucks basically say we want to lose every match. Like that, they they want to find a way to lose so that they can elevate all these other people. Which I understand that, and it's laudable. But they need to make themselves first in front of the mainstream audience, and that's what I think about Omega, and that's what I think about a lot of these guys. Is they've already got a captive audience that already knew who they were that's going to these shows. But if they want to elevate, if they want real television ratings, they're going to have to build up somebody and before you can build up guys underneath you have to build up top guys and they haven't necessarily I think established enough top guys I think they're still trying to accomplish a little bit too much instead of and maybe that's what they're doing with Cody they're not doing the same treatment for Moxley and Omega and MJF and all these guys they're focusing on okay let's get Cody over as a top player babyface, and then through him we can elevate some other people yeah Let's put a pin in the Young Bucks thing um, for a moment and go back to when this all first started and we saw the names who were going to be associated with it. And it was the Bucks, it was Jericho, it was Omega, it was Cody Rhodes. I thought this, and it still is, a very top heavy yeah. roster for It's AEW. a very young roster underneath, too. Very like, I mean, young. There's a ton of talent underneath, but a lot of very raw yes. green people. My, my fear for them was. They were going to shove Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega all in our face, and we were going to get tired of it because they felt that that's all they had, and that's what they were going to lead with their best. Well, doesn't that sound like and what that WWE has, has trained us to believe is going to happen in American wrestling? Because that's what they do. We're seeing it on Friday Night SmackDown already. They've got a big roster full of people they're not even putting on TV, but you get two Roman Reigns matches. You see Shinsuke and Roman both worked twice on Friday and half that roster they just drafted, not even on the card at all. Yeah, I know that's a good point, and that's probably where a lot of that comes from. Unfortunately, I've been conditioned to the WWE so much over the years because there hasn't been anything to give them any serious competition, but that, that really has not been the fact. We've gotten a lot of Jericho, but we've also got Jericho and the, the inner circle. And we've gotten a lot of Cody, but we also got Cody and MJF. Like, there's there's been other people around them that, to me, in my mind, are being elevated just by being in their presence, and they're not shoving those guys down our face. Back to the Young Bucks for a moment, and you're talking about trying to get them over to a mainstream audience. And I've been on record, and I would say it if they were sitting right across yeah. the, the You're not the a fan of what they do I'm, for the most part. I'm, for the most part, I'm not a fan of what they do. I'm I'm appreciative, and I can recognize the talent, the athleticism, and, and, and the performance in everything that they do. They are extremely talented guys, but that's not what I like out of tag team wrestling. To get over to a mainstream audience on television, do they need to change their style? Or are people tuning in on television to see something like that, to see a spot set, spot fest, something that's 
has continual motion, something that's just exciting on your screen from the moment the bell rings to the moment the bell rings again. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about the Bucks is I have seen them a couple of times in matches that were heavy on storytelling, mm-hmm. and they're really good. And so I know they have it in them to do that. And then I know they can go do these spot fests and do all this crazy stuff that people are going to like that differentiates what they do. I think a lot of it can depend upon the dance partners that they're in the ring with as well. Like if the Revival leaves, for example, Mm -hmm. I want to see the Revival and the Young Bucks in a long program because I think that would be some of the better tag team matches we will have seen in a long, long time. But I, I, I definitely understand the reticence. And then when you see them like when they're not doing all the inside stuff, and I'm not just talking about the Bucks, all of them. When they're not doing their inside being the elite stuff and stuff that they put on TV that you're supposed to know about, which is not smart to me to right. do because that makes the new fan feel like I'm missing out on something. Like, what have I missed here? What have I already missed? And at some point, that that fan's probably going to be like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not on the inside what's going on here, so right. why should I even really care? Ex- exactly. And so there's, I think there is... There's danger in it from that perspective, but when you see them operate and talk in the back and things like that, they're good. Oh, yeah. Like, they they are smart guys. They know exactly what they're doing. I think they're good promos. They've got great charisma. I remember when I first saw them, I said, hey, this could be the Rock and Roll Express, and Mm -hmm. that was my team growing up as a kid. Them and the Midnights. And look, the Revival could darn sure be a new Midnight Express. I mean, my Lord. And that's that's such an – it's – if you're fantasy booking nowadays, I think if there's a tag team match you want to see, that's what it is. Because I can't think of any other tag teams that I would want to see. Because we're talking about pretty much polar opposites of one another. And that that in itself can set things up for a slow burn, a long series, a long program with four of the best in the last 30 years in the business. Yes. So that to me is is very intriguing. So I would love I would love to see, and there may be someone on that roster. There may be a tag team coming up that is enough different than what the Bucks do that we could see something different out of them. Yeah, and that uh, that's enough for a guy like me who doesn't necessarily I don't own a Young Bucks T shirt. Right, that's enough for me to still tune in and watch what they're doing on television. Yeah, and I don't flip off anything that they do i, don't, I, I haven't mean, I, I haven't flipped away from anything i haven't either been on aew so i haven't far. either the only thing i almost did was havoc and darby allen because that's really not my i don't like the hardcore stuff very yeah, much i, I watched it because i watched it because i knew what jimmy havoc was i yeah. watched it because i wanted to see more of darby Allen. yeah because you know they're probably going to do something with him mm-hmm. you have a feeling and the skateboard's an interesting yeah he should always use that for his entrance he should always roll down that ramp because it's kids will love that uh it'll get over Apparently in PWG, Darby Allen has done at least once in the past the tape hands gimmick before. And so Jericho basically said, how do we get Darby Allen over? Well, let's tie both his hands behind his back because he can do these spots because he's done them before mm-hmm. in PWG. And I'll just take all of them and I'll sell them. And then even though his hands are taped behind his back, and I'm the champion, and I've got every advantage and all these things, I'm still going to have Jake Hager save this match for me because he knows how to play a heel. He's not going to find. He's not going to get you to cheer him. He's going to find a way to go the opposite direction. But I was trying to condition myself not to like Darby Allen, but 
I can see value in Darby Allen now. I don't know who, like I said, I can't think of who he really reminds me of, but I don't know if there's anything wrong with that either. No, there there isn't. Um, and it, to me, it wasn't. I It was believable to me from the aspect of, yes, Chris Jericho looks like, walks like, talks like, presents himself as a world's heavyweight champion. But we also know that Chris Jericho is no, no spring chicken. No. So I could understand a young man in Darby Allen getting offense in against all odds against this guy who is, I don't want to say he's past his prime, but he's not as fast as he used to be. Yeah, that lion salt's a little bit slower now. Yeah, and simil- not similar. So I could buy it from that. Yeah, but it was also it was misdirection, and what Darby was doing was smart desperation. He was trying to survive right. without two we saw arms. A guy, we saw a guy being presented as a baby face who was actually intelligent for once. Exactly. Yeah. Against the odds that were placed in front of him. Yeah. One other thing that I want to mention, just because he showed up again in that Cody video, is MJF. I think MJF has the potential to be a major superstar if they handle him right. And I I have no reason to believe that they won't. But this Shades of Grey thing where he's a total jerk on TV, but Cody's his best friend and he's talking. Like, I don't know. Again, maybe I've just been conditioned in American wrestling to you have to be a babyface or heel, and he's more of almost like a UFC fighter where there's things about him you don't like, but at the same time, there's a quiet loyalty to Cody because Cody's basically made his career by bringing him along for the ride. And so I understand it. I just wonder if I'm a new fan watching MJF, what I'm supposed to think of MJF or whether or not he intrigues me at all or if he's just kind of – he's. I don't know where he's coming from at all. But to me, right now, for me, the intrigue is in that in and of itself. Is I, I mean, mean, he's got to turn on him at some point, and then we're going to lead to an MJF Cody program down the line, one right, would think. Down the line. Like I, when MJF but, is at that level. But I, will, I want that to be years down the road. I, I mean, I'm talking about the slowest of slow burns on this one. We've all had friends that we loved and were loyal to but also outside of our interactions with them, like if they were around other people, like I have a friend that I just love would do anything for in this world. His group of friends that he hangs with nowadays, can't stand them. <laughs> like not not fans of them whatsoever. And they probably wouldn't be fans of me and the things that I say and do outside of my interactions with him. So to me, that's intriguing because that's a real-life circumstance. It's kind of playing out in front of us. And the most intriguing thing that I've seen him do, and it was I think it was part of the dark um, the dark show this week yeah. after the match, Cody was in the ring and he brought the kid in that was dressed up like Orange Cassidy. Yeah, and he allowed him to pin him. So he called a referee down, and MJF's in the ring's like, "No, don't do it!" And yelling at the referee not to make the count for this kid who's about to pin Cody. Yeah, and then running him off after he makes the three count. That to me is, is stuff that makes him very intriguing to me. He's great on a microphone. He's got a great look, and he's a decent worker. And he's young. And he's Holy very crap! Young. He's young. He looks very like he young. feel. You feel like he's been doing it longer because you've seen his face. A you've lot. seen his face, but you also watch how he commands the ring. Yep, like. There was one thing I did not like about his performance in the first week, which was the guy he was working, I can't remember the guy's name now, um, tweaked his knee, and it was, a, I believe it was, oh, it was a work. Yeah, it was. He landed was, awkwardly off the second rope the or guy something who, like uh, that. He had been hurt before. Um, he looks like Kirby Allen. Yeah, guy, he looks like Kirby Allen Kirby. The uh, Young Bucks Brandon man. something. Yeah, something. Yeah, anyway. Brandon Jobber. Obviously, be, it, was a, it was a match for MJF to get over. Yeah. MJF um, had to go for the leg. 
and he didn't. He took him, he went for his arm submission. And that's fine. But you've got to take out what just hit the ground. Yeah. That was where I was like, okay, he is young. Like, that's that's something that Cody or Jericho, you just have to sweep the leg at least, and then you can go do whatever finish you want to do. Or you can just go for the leg and not do it. But I know they want to get his finisher over, and yeah. I, I understand from that perspective. I, I think I think you're right. It is intriguing if they play the slow burnout, but is he just going to be a heel except when he's around Cody? And we're just going to have to be like, I don't know what. But maybe you're supposed to just not ever know where he's coming from and not like him well, or let's, whatever. Let's think about back to um, 2012 when we saw all the It Begins promos start popping up on our screen. And then Jericho reveals himself after what seemed like months and months of these promos that he was returning and he was kind of playing this super happy, exuberant, enthusiastic heel. Like he was talking, engaging the crowd like a baby face, but doing heel things in the ring to beat people. Yeah. And to me, that was intriguing. It didn't last very long. That's kind of where they are with MJF right now. I believe. Okay. That's, that's fair. Have I, I taught you into to believing in? Maybe, yeah. Maybe <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come back. There's a couple things, a couple other AEW things I actually want to talk about. If we don't get to WWE, screw them. Quite frankly, at this point, because we're going to talk about NWA Power as well. But I want to talk a little bit about the announce booth in AEW, and also AEW Dark, Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. Uh, that if you didn't see, <laughs> we'll talk about it when we come back. Squared Circle Radio, one zero four five, the Zone. I'm Welcome back, Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 Zone. David Reed, Jason Martin with you. He's at David Reed Radio. I'm at Jmart Zone. We are at Zone Wrestling. This is Janela, right? Or me. I'll let you decide. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> sure. It can be you. Um, Joey Janela and Kenny Omega went about 26 and a half minutes on AEW Dark, which it's not – I don't think it's a show I'm going to watch like start to finish every week. I just don't have the time. But – when I know there's a match of, or something there that's intriguing, I'm going to tune in. And I love Shivani being in, like, the control center, setting it all up. And I love the idea that they do show you what you don't see, and then they push what you might have missed on TV. They yeah. push the big angles from TV. This is a smart thing because it's you can tune in how you want. One thing, I'm trying to think if it was – it may have been Wade Keller that mentioned this, and I agree a million percent with this. Kenny Omega is set up to wrestle Moxley who's a crazy man. So he goes and he grabs Joey Janela as crazy a man as you can find to go have this crazy match to show how tough he is and how he's trying to prepare for John Moxley. You got to mention that on TV. Like right. you have to say you have to draw the parallel. Kenny Omega is trying to build up to this huge match with John Moxley and honestly Maybe keep Rio and Britt Baker off TV and just run that match. Just say, hey, this is what you might have missed on our YouTube channel this yeah. week. We didn't expect this to be the knock. I mean, the only thing that I had a problem with with that match was that it existed because it was such a risk to put Kenny Omega in that kind of situation with a guy like that. But, man, alive, it's not my style, but you have to appreciate what they were willing to do 
to give the fans a good show. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. That that match was incredible. I'm not saying it's like match of the year contender stuff or anything, but there were a couple spots where I'm just like, you've got to be. Janelle is insane. Janelle is probably not going to be with us nearly as long <laughs> as maybe he should. I've never met him. Probably a great guy. I would imagine if he's not a great guy, people wouldn't get in the ring to do the kind of stuff that they do with him. I don't know. I, I think I may have I may have fallen into where I've led Jim Cornette craft way too much of my opinion on Joey Janela uh, over the years. Yeah, um, I know. I mean, yeah, he's not a Cornette guy. No, 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 no not not at all. But you you said you said you you have to tell us that this is why Omega is in the ring taking this risk with Joey Janela, and I agree with that. But there there's, has to be a meet because if this was the WWE, they'd have been forcing that down our throat. Oh yeah. Oh, he. This is this is exactly what he's going to face uh, coming up in two weeks against uh, John, uh, against John Moxley. So there has to be a, a happy meeting between the two. Some of us were drawing the parallels, but you have to. And I still think they need to be in the sense where they're programming for a very wide audience. You have to think that your audience is not as smart, connected as they are to the product yeah, and kind of give us the broad strokes on a lot of things. Yeah. They've got, to, they've got to dumb it down just a little bit more than they have because the people that already know are already watching. Yes. What you want to do is grab the NBA fan or the person that's seen an ad during clause mm-hmm. or whatever like that and tunes into AEW. You can't make them feel like we talked about this already. You can't make them feel like they've already missed out. You can't make them feel like they're idiots because they don't understand yeah. what this Joey Janela guy is about, you what this Kenny Omega guy is about. You can't be too rudimentary and just be like, and here is this guy, and here is what he does. Like You have to find yeah. inventive ways to do it, and I don't know that there is a perfect formula for it. We haven't really – I haven't been alive to see a new territory. That's what I kind of consider this to be. I haven't seen a new organization sprout up like this – where there are so many unknowns and the way they're doing it really hasn't been done right. before. And so I'm giving them a lot of leeway because I want to see how they approach this. And we all want to be a part of that. We all love being a part of or associate something from the ground floor or something that not everyone is in on, right? Oh, yeah. We enjoy that. But when you're the, the vast majority of your audience isn't in on that yet, you have to give them something to let them feel like they're included in everything. Yeah. And, like, I feel I, – I don't I did not expect this to be the way that I would feel. I actually kind of get excited on Wednesdays when I know that show's going to be on on mm-hmm. Wednesday nights. And it's weird. I usually probably – I don't get to watch it live very often now. There's other things going on. But I'll watch it at 11 or 12 or whatever like that. He's newlywed. That's what he's talking right. about. Right. And <laughs> – but, I mean, I did not expect that I would be, like, so geeked about watching this show. And I think it's I think it's doubly interesting we, because we're watching the beginning of something that we have seen since All In. We haven't been to an event. That's going to change here in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. But I also think we're all just – we're kind of rooting for them we, right now. We want to see been, this be fun. We've been in a desert for a very long, long time, and we've been looking for water everywhere. And we've seen mirages over the years. That's a lot of analogies and right this there. Is, this is what I do. Let well, me, speaking of deserts, WWE is going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, anyway, well, back to what we were saying. That's a total downer. <laughs> that. well, we've been so thirsty for years and hungry for something different, something to challenge what we were seeing, because what we were seeing 
was and something that felt and something that felt legit competitive, not like yes. Ring of Honor on yes. Sinclair or right. Impact on Pop TV, which I have. Uh, Ring of Honor, I've loved over the years. I've, I've loved the guys who have been in there. There's been some great talent there. There's still some great talent there, but it never felt like a competitor, mostly because it didn't have the power behind it like AEW does. And one of the things that we talked about, what were the production values going to be like in AEW? Because that is such that is such a key component in the success Looks of great. what your television show is going to have. Shows look great. I think they look great. The only the <laughs> in the uh, brawl with the Lucha Brothers and um, and uh, SoCal Uncensored this That's week, a yeah. uh, couple cameramen got taken out and tangled yeah. up in cables and yeah. stuff. I'm okay with that's that. That's believable. I'm perfectly that's, fine that's with that. That's what I hate, and that's similar to, and I hate this, when people will take off stars and take off points for a match when a move misses. How many fights have you ever seen where every punch exactly. lands? Exactly. Like that's That makes it more real that you tried something that did not work. Yes. All it takes is an announcer that can say, well, he was going for this, but it just didn't compute. He's going to have to go back to the drawing board. Nobody, nobody yeah. does that. That would save so many of these botch spot things because you could retrain an audience to believe that a fight is not supposed to be pristine. Not every kick's supposed to, you know, there's going to be glancing blows and misses and timed wrong and all of that. To me, that's that is still lacking in pro wrestling. And and I've always to almost to that point. This is kind of a little bit different, though. Like we see in just about every single match, if it's a top guy, he has that one move. Yeah. It's going to be a two count. That has never been a three Sammy count. Sami Zayn's blue thunder bomb. Yes. Falcon arrow. Yeah. From, from Seth Rollins. Love that move. Yeah. That might be my finisher. It's never put anyone under. So yeah. why should we get excited about it? Yeah. That's why. That's I, why guys should be winning with multiple things. Yes. Yes. You should not have one finisher. You should have a multitude of moves that could end the match at any moment because that's going to keep me engaged. I've never seen the Falcon Arrow or the Blue Thunder Bomb and thought the match was over. Never. I me mean, either. Like, you don't get excited about the false finish. No. Like, if you're doing it, then you're just Pavlovian responding to everything yep. that's going on. Believe oh, again, false the WWE has trained us for something for so many years that's exactly now. right, and they've trained us so well that we're not talking about them this week. <laughs> AW was fun. It continues to be fun. Hutton sent us a message, and he said, I don't know if I like this or if I just like it because it's different. I said, I think you like it because it's fresh and it feels new. And it feels inter- like it's not insulting your intelligence and you're actually finding yourself entertained by the product Mm. discussion continues on the flip side follow us at zone wrestling right back in a moment here on 104.5 the zone welcome back square circle radio here on 104.5 the zone david reed jason martin here with you we've been talking a lot about aew and nwa power today speaking of which nwa power entertained me i have not watched the first one but i watched this week and look, it's not all perfect by any stretch. And there's some some stuff that, that's not as good as others. But I guess because of my age and because what I grew up watching, studio wrestling, which just flat out doesn't exist anymore, this hits a soft spot for me. And they lean into the nostalgia so very blatantly and in your face. They say, we know this is a product that a lot of you out there feel like doesn't exist anymore. We're going to cater to you. And we're going to have fun with it. And I watched it 
And I thought, all right, I'll fast forward through this. I ended up not. I ended up sitting there for the entire 50-whatever minutes of that show and thinking when I got to the end of it, okay, I know what they're doing. Maybe I don't feel like I have to watch that every week, but it's definitely something I would tune into and, and check back in with pretty regularly. Yeah, no, I'm probably going to. It's something that I'm probably going to watch every single Maybe week. Maybe I will. I, I, I just, in nostalgia, a lot of people, it's funny how when things become mainstream, there's this segment that, has to speak out against it and warn against it and, and how it could be bad for you. I don't see any way nostalgia is bad for you. Nostalgia to, is not someone who's trying to live in the past. It's someone who can connect with something because of the way that it made them feel in the past. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there may be a limit to this audience that the NWA power is going to attract. And there's nothing wrong with that no. because we live in a society nowadays and technology is to the extent where you can go out there and find your audience. You don't have to have a multi-year, multi-billion dollar television deal to go out there and find an audience. And that's what NWA Power is doing right now. They're going out there and finding an audience. And there's, look, it's not it's not the cleanest thing. It's clearly taped. There's some bad cuts. There's some bad edits in there where they're trying to edit out something that didn't go the way they want it to. They'll probably get that cleaned up. But if you can't look at Nick Aldis and think that's what a world's heavyweight oh, wrestling champion should Remember look like. Remember what I tweeted you on Wednesday? Yes. I said, this guy is such a great world champion. I also think it might be the best interview in the history of this show when we had him on. And that was such a surprise and an eye-opener to me. I was just like, I'm a fan of that dude. Yep. Immediately a fan mm. of that dude. And it looks like when he shows up on the screen with that belt to talk, it looks like Ric Flair. It looks like Nick Bockwinkle. It looks like the people that I grew up watching that when the world champion was something different than the rest of the guys on the roster. And that's what Nick Aldis looks like. And prob the problem with NWA right now is it's him, it's <laughs> James Storm. Who can talk it and talk for then days. And there's a big gap to a bunch of guys who – have not been working full-time for a while or guys who have not been working at all, uh, they're new to the business for a while, that's going to be the problem. But they're working around this with great programming that's not happening inside the ring. I think Eli Drake. Eli Drake's oh, pretty I love good promo. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, he, no, I love Eli Drake. I think I've, that, Eli Drake was the shining star when he was in Impact and how they were able to capitalize on that shows the faults of that company. Yeah. Uh, I think that, so Aaron Stevens, I think, led off this episode, the former Damian Sandow, yes. Aaron Rex. That promo didn't do it for me. Like, I knew what he was trying to do, but I was right. just kind of like, eh. It you felt know. like something he wasn't used to doing. It was it was weird. It was strange. Um, you know, we saw Trevor Murdoch. Yeah. he's His body's seen better days. Of course, it never... It was, he was never a body guy. No, he was not. definitely not a body He's guy. He's still a vet that knows exactly what and he's he doing. Still take and he went in bumps. there and he got this Ricky Starks kid over. Yeah, and Starks drop kick from the top rope. Uh, yeah. The way Murdoch sold that, I thought that was the end of the match. We talk about false finishes. Yeah. That thing hit flush. He sold it well. I thought that was the end of the it was match. It's interesting that they finished that with like that kind of crucifix yeah. pinfall, as a matter of fact. Then Starks cut a promo where he's just like, yeah, the women love me. You know, blah, 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 all that. And mm. that's fine. Like, whatever. you got to have a young right. kid like that. He probably ends up a heel. You, you, have, think. you have abs. I could see that. Yeah, now. whatever, dude. Like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I have eyes. I got you. But uh, I just – and then the other thing is this. I know there's a lot of critique about Cornette. Look, his politics, whew, I can't discuss that. Yeah. And 
uh, his language keeps me from being able to listen to his podcast on a regular basis. And there's a lot of things to dislike. And I disagree with him about Kevin Owens and a number of, of other things in pro wrestling. But his basic psychology about pro wrestling I've always believed in and continue to. And there is no better voice for this kind of show than James E. Cornette. Yep. Yeah.